Welcome to the Peripheral Views Podcast, folks. Uh, I'm your host, Jake. Errol is with me tonight for another episode of the show. Errol, what's going on, brother? You know me. Just uh, really excited to actually uh, talk about this one. Well, as always, there's never a lot. It's of always good. Going. Yeah, we're yeah. always excited. Um, this one's kind of different, though, because we are going to be introducing a new series to the podcast. And uh, I was actually thinking about this earlier. It's a bit of a like soft introduction to uh, what is probably going to get a lot more intricate and in-depth. Um, this is going to be the first installment, first episode of the history series. Now, Errol and I, in like the developing stages of the podcast, always talked that the history proportion of this podcast and like our series format um, was always going to be like kind of a big one because, uh, you know, Errol and I, I would, I don't know, hist- is history buff a little strong or is that like kind of what... I- I would say history buffs a little strong, but um, definitely a connoisseur, like like grabs, a uh, grabs your interest. Yeah, like a I would I would say uh, like I almost would say like a fishing. No, you know what I'd say a uh, a fish or sorry a um, not an aficionado, but a uh, a history. Uh, what's the word I'm looking? No, because I don't want to say novice, but there's a word for it it's somewhere a, somewhere like one level past novice probably like um i don't know amateur i'm a amateur, history amateur okay. yeah yeah amateurism coming from the peripheral views podcast um yeah. no so, that's about right though because like i you know you and i are we've i mean we've talked a bunch of like historical events and like we definitely that was like part of the podcast um or the appeal of actually like developing a podcast between errol and i so um really excited to get this one off the ground floor um and we're kind of going to do it in a way that's a little bit more like i said it's a bit of a soft pitch um in terms of like how we're going to introduce it because um it's not necessarily that we'll be talking about historical events in the terms of in the in, you know the traditional sense or the neo-traditional sense of history we're not discussing any international politics or you know global events that affect the you know economic markets or anything of that nature it's not really in that vein um which we hope to probably you know circle to eventually um probably i would imagine in the next installment we'll kind of start uh petering towards that but today we're going to be talking about um kind of the um, we're going to be talking about human endurance. Um, we kind of introduced this towards the end of one of our last previous podcasts. Um, we're talking about human endurance. We're talking about some of the biggest and uh, most impressive achievements in the field of like athletic endurance. And that can mean a lot of different things. And we'll kind of go into all the details of that while also listing, um, not ranking, but listing and just discussing some of the, some of the research we came across and what, what kind of like, um, what achievements took place over the course of, and, and from a historical context. And we'll definitely, um, we'll definitely try to make sure that we, you know, um, mark uh, timelines and when these achievements took place and who the players were and all the details, we'll iron them all out. We'll get to it. Uh, but first and foremost, let's do, uh, let's do what we always do. Let's hit the housekeeping stuff, get that out of the way. Peripheralviewspodcast.com. That's the website. Everything's up on there. Um, We've, we are on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. If you do happen to stumble upon our content on those platforms, please uh, feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. Super helpful for us and our analytics as per usual. Um, any interaction you want to have with us in the social media sphere, we are um, we are on X at peripheralv123. 
Um, you can also stream us the 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 origination home or platform for the peripheral views podcast, soundcloud.com forward slash peripheral views one two three. That's the uh, that's the home, original home base for the peripheral views podcast. That's where we started our streaming at. Um, kind of branched out to the other platforms, so you can find us in those places too. Um, and uh, also feel free to shoot us an email if you want to reach us more directly. Um, and that is uh, peripheralviewspodcast at gmail.com. And we will respond expeditiously, as always. So that's it for the housekeeping. Errol, we talked Napoleon Dynamite uh, last week. That was uh, the newest installment to the film series. How, how did you think we did on the Napoleon Dynamite front? <clears throat> it was a... Uh, your your ten rate your ten out of ten rating is still standing out to me. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna I'm gonna jab you a little bit on that one, but uh. <laughs> I um yeah no I still uh I still really do like the movie. By it, I think sir? we yeah I do, and uh, we were <laughs> kind of talking about it after um I th- I was saying I think I figured out the allure to uh, Napoleon Dynamite and why it was uh so uh such like a cult classic and um. I was saying it's pretty it's almost the same reason why John Wick was so popular. Ooh, and yes, you did mention this. Yeah, and that's uh just because it's like it's almost like it's so like mysterious and you learn the world like through the scene like as it's happening so you know that there's like an intricate thing going on but you're just fed it like piecemeal and it's the whole thing's like interesting so like you're invested in it the whole time just to see exactly like where it goes and yeah um, i mean it's like one of those it's like a character study in the way that it's like it's not necessarily that like um the character has this like deep important role in in the community or um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily in that vein. It's it, more, it's it more almost, so that like, you're just focused on the character and then the slow reveal of like the tendencies and decision-making, um, habits of the character kind of make the character whole by the end. Whereas at the beginning, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of just waiting for the, for the layers to kind of peel back. And then they do in a interesting and sometimes creative way. I'll tell you what it almost, it works because like, there's no reason why like Napoleon Dynamite should ever be like the main character in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's like that that's would right. never be like why would you want to why would anyone want to see that? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Just like nothing. Nothing happens besides like just some weirdo ends up making a girl not creeped out enough to play like tetherball with him. Well, that's end. why that's why I had mentioned it like uh, one point in the like middle of the film. I guess if maybe I watched it again and gave it like a different uh, with this perspective, I was mentioning that in the podcast that like kind of gets a little dull there in the middle because of like I think some creative choices the filmmakers had about like ensuring maybe just taking the time to like be a little less funny and just kind of iron out the plot details so that there is something of a story because i mean for the first 40 minutes when it's funniest there's really no plot development at all like it's just introduction it's just character introduction and like a couple of like unbelievably funny scenes and it's also just like it's just john heater and his charm like on display because like definitely like it, it is comedically charming everything he's doing in that movie so um Solid film, solid film. Glad I was, I was pumped to talk about. It. I was glad we actually got got to that one because, like, um, you know, it's kind of like a little gateway. It's a gateway to like independent comedy films, um, which there's a an, an abundance of to get to, which we we definitely will circle back to at some point. Yep, yep. That being the case, um, yeah. So that's what was uh, most 
recent on the peripheral views podcast. So hope you guys enjoyed that. If you haven't circle back to it. Um, if you, if you haven't seen Napoleon dynamite um, based on our ratings, it's a, it's a modest thumbs up for me and it is a big, big time recommend for Errol. Um, but I would honestly say, I'm going to speak for you, Errol. I honestly think that like, it's one of those films that you want to see it at the right age. I don't think that a, I don't think that if yeah. you're like 40 seeing it for the first time, you might not get the same. You want to you want to know another reason? It. You want to know another reason why I gave it such a high vote? What's that? Like in terms of like cinema in itself, they did some of the most with the least. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. with such a small what, budget. Yeah, that's that's right. Fair. What more can you ask for? Like when yeah. it comes to like making a film, like yeah, if you've put millions of dollars in it, you better sell millions <laughs> of dollars. Right. Like, of course, like yeah, nobody expected that movie to make fifty million bucks, and it totally did. It just somehow managed it. And then on top I mean, of yeah, because they paid him, and then they're like, "Yo, are you gonna give me more money?" They're like, "We didn't think we would." Ha- yeah, we are. We didn't think we would. Well, I wanted to look into that and see if he got like uh, box office points or something like that. Like he, uh, he, he like got a percent. If he if he didn't like he's his next yeah. movie was with Will Ferrell. Yeah, I mean he he made it back. It, it, if even if he only got that one thousand dollars for the film, like he'd he'd have managed to probably at some point um, make that back in space. Like it, it it uh he cashed out. We'll put it to you that way. Um. But anyway, so uh, folks, feel free to jump back, take a listen to that uh, podcast on the Napoleon Dynamite. Um, that episode was a lot of fun to talk. It was fun to talk about the film, and it was a good episode. I think we, uh, I think we pushed through it pretty quick. We had a good pace. So hoping to do the same tonight. Let's dive into it. We're talking feats of human endurance. Um, Errol, I want to start off. I guess we'll kick things off a little bit in the uh, in the domain of like I'm going to list off some of the categories of which I found to be like endurance most important in terms of athletics um, and where I think uh, where I think most of my examples of like some of the most impressive uh, you know achievements took place like in terms of like what categories did they fall under um, for me it was I mean the big ones were you know obviously swimming running um, are huge like those are the two that like I think you know because they're so cardiovascular based it's such an intense, it's it's uh, because it's so like um, repetitive and redundant, but it, it you know how many different ways can you run? Um, you know you can you can throw a rock pack on, you can um, you can run with specific shoes, you can run barefoot. You I mean you can do a lot of things to make running a more challenging feat. But at the end of the day, distance is going to be the thing that like kind of pushes you to that to an upper bound limit. Um, and the same goes for swimming. Swimming is. Basically, the goal is where are you swimming? What what's the water temperature, and what distance are you covering? So that is that's a good point, Hugh, because a lot of the times, especially with um, because I was going to mention like some of the Olympic stuff because we're talking about like feats of like strength and endurance. Sure. Um, I am a big fan of or big fan of sprints. It, it's probably like some mm. of like, my favorite events in the Olympics. Cool. But okay. I wouldn't be quick to mention sprinting because a lot of that stuff is just based on like physiology ah, right. like yep. Usain Bolt trained very hard his entire life to be the like cream of the crop but he is also legitimately built different oh yeah like genetically genetically this is a different human being and yeah like if you, you could say the at... same you could say the same for Phelps too like Michael Phelps is oh yeah well so example. that's the thing too so a lot of sprinting events just come down to um in, in the end it, you need to train to stay like at the at the peak there but if someone trains just as hard as you like 
So say like me, for example, like I'm five foot 11. If I did the same exact stuff as Usain Bolt, he'd beat me. Like he would, I could do the same exact thing as him, but I would lose to that. So when you get to like feats of endurance, like, yeah, physiology helps, but like you have to admit at some point, like it's really just raw determination. Like that's exactly what I was going to say. When you were saying the like physiology of like the athletes, I was thinking to myself, it was like, um, so like you have to kind of be able to marry both because it Mm -hmm. really comes down to, and when it comes to endurance and I've actually listened to quite a few endurance athletes, um, ultra marathon runners and uh, a lot of some, some folks I'll actually even use as examples um, on tonight's podcast, but um, this it's like the one thing it's the common denominator that I always hear. It, it truly is just like, everybody's got a quit button. Right. And, and it's, it's in there somewhere. Like it's baked in into the human, you know, sometimes the, sometimes your body has to hit the quit button for you. And that's when people go unconscious or they pass out or, mm-hmm. you know, they push themselves to work. Yeah. They just stop. It just stops. The body will just stop working. Um, and other people just, I also think that like, there's some people in this world that have managed to somehow they like override it. <laughs> they override even their body's unwillingness to continue um, based on some of the statistics that we're going to get into, like as we're getting into the, the, the details, the dirty details of like what these men and women accomplish, some, some folks just have the ability to be like, to override that system that wants to shut down when they've, when they've just pushed it to that, that place that like really dark place. And then obviously, you know, you've always heard, you know, people always talk about the wall and like, you know, everybody's got that in, in, to, to hurl, but I, most of the time people hit the wall and then. I think a lot of a big percentage of people can break through and, and it's, it's sometimes it's multiple walls. And then there's people who just don't even acknowledge it whatsoever. They don't acknowledge the barriers um, of, of the, they're market. here. They're here for it to be bad. <laughs> yeah. They're here. They're here. They signed up for suffering period, right. which is like a lot of exercises is, is like that. I mean, there's like a lot well, of so- Buddhist philosophy in this. So think think about it though, like it's almost like with anything, it's just it's so weird to think about because they're just physically like hurting their body. But it's just there's tears to um, any kind of competition. You get to a point when you're really good at something where you get comfortable, and um, it's just like you you end up be, once you get in a higher percentile, you're like this is what the standard is for at least me and my peers. A yeah. lot of other people aren't able to do that, but like once you're here. And understand that, then you know you can go further. And then you break that wall, and then you like you break that wall until you have people who are like, like I the, the it's not even like it. I mean, it's kind of like a thing of endurance. The uh, this guy stayed awake for like two hundred and sixty one hours. Yeah, that's like borderline death. Like, I don't even think you're supposed to be able to do that. Like, no, you should, you should die. Like, you should probably. I think most people. Sorry, two hundred sixty four. Two hundred sixty four hours. Yeah. What's his name? I'd like to I want to look at this one too. Randy Gardner, under the Randy? supervision of Stanford University, set a record that hasn't been touched. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Yeah. This is a, well, this, uh, I, I want to dive into this one now. Um, Cause this is more, so, okay. This is a, this will be example number one. Let's dive right into it. Randy Gardner sleep deprivation experiment. So, um, obviously they were doing some fucked up shit at Stanford, man. <laughs> so here's a, here's the Stanford thing that was I will... always known for these like very like controversial, um, uh, psychological experiments or physical. They had, uh, they had government funding. 
Ah, uh, that makes sense. That would probably be why you got the prison experiment. Obviously, it's very famous ex- psychological experience about like or experiment about um, uh, alliances and, and power uh, dynamics and stuff like that. But um, okay, so so that, why don't you unload some of these details on what kind of effects this had on him, um, on on Randy Gardner? These the sleep deprivation of uh, four hundred and let me see. Uh, 18 days was the record and he, he got 11 days, 24 minutes was the, uh, 260 hours. Oh yeah. Let me click it. I lost <laughs> too many tabs. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We're going to okay, tab. This is tab city. We should just call this podcast like tab central. Right. Pod tabs. Tabcast. Really? Where the, where the heck is this? Well, I'll start. I've got it up here. So I'll take it from here. Let me, yeah. let me take the baton here. Um, Randy Gardner, uh, American man from San Diego, California, who once held the record for the longest amount of time a human has gone without sleep. Uh, December 63, January 64, 17 year old Gardner stayed awake for 11 days and 24 minutes, which tallied to about 264.4 hours, breaking the previous record of 260 hours held by Tom Rounds. So he beat it by about four and a half hours. Which is actually absurd because that's a that's a really long time when you're at that point of not sleeping. But um, Gardner's record was then broken multiple times until 1997 when Guinness Book of uh, Guinness World Records ceased accepting new attempts for safety reasons. So people were fucking dying. Obviously, that's what that either means. dying or like just going crazy. So here's what I was gonna say: um, the main because the sleep deprivation is gonna be a reoccurring theme here because it is endurance. And um, oh, for sure. Here's the- Here's the craziest thing about sleep deprivation. If you didn't know, um, you will literally induce psychosis. It will start happening at around like the 24 hour mark, whether mm-hmm. it's auto halluc or um, yeah, auto hallucinate or uh, sorry, auditory hallucinations, or um, sometimes you'll get like tracking or like vision blurring. But uh, uh, what happens is your body, or at least for the most part, most people is uh, you need to sleep. Like your your brain needs to shut down so it can like reset and process what was going through the day because it's so like high high like calorie and it does it does a lot right. of stuff. The only reason we're as smart as we are is because we are able to shut down half the time. Right. So what happens is if you don't sleep, parts of your brain will it will start to just shut off. Like it will be like you know what? Forget it. If you can't do it, then I'm, I'm just going to do it. It has to do it. It has to rest. So you will, you, you get in like a, uh, like a semi lucid state where you are borderline, like dreaming as you are awake and it only gets crazier as you, as it steamrolls. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is, this is a part of like, um, this is part of the evolution, obviously. Like the, you're, um, I'm just pulling up here. Uh, there's a sleep center that indicates, um, Sleep centers of Middle Tennessee uh, have a, have a, a blog study here that indicates, as mentioned in the study examining sleep and anxiety, without sleep, the amygdala uh, goes into overdrive, shutting down the prefrontal cortex, which is like that's your fucking that's, that's what you need. Ba- to that's your breadwinner right there. Yeah, that's what makes us smarter than everything. Well, else. not only you smarter, but judgment. It, it's also yeah, exactly reasoning and judgment. Like this is your impulse control. Everything. This is where. This is the major functions of the brain that start to begin to shut down um, because your amygdala is being is being overused and not resting. Um, and it's also probably you got to imagine that when your brain is actually when you're awake, you're probably utilizing brain cells. Right. I mean, this is 
you're you're depriving your brain of cellular turnover, which is the re, like regeneration of, of brain cells when you sleep is probably a part of that process too. Um, I mean, not to get into like, uh, you know, I don't think either one of us are neurologists, but I would imagine that this is probably one of the uh, least athletic examples we'll give, <laughs> but uh, also one of the most impressive yet completely destructive. I mean, pretty, yes. ho- pretty like, horrible. To the, to the point where like, it seems like something that you might be able to like, might be feasible. Like I just won't do anything. Like they've stopped doing the contest. Yeah. Like, they're like, just stop sending us. You're like, it doesn't, We're you, not gonna if you can it. beat it, then you, it's not good. Like, well, it <laughs> you shouldn't like, do it. As of 1997, the last time that they, um, the last time that they actually were taking the um, applications to continue publishing record breaking, uh, Robert McDonald at 18 days and 21 hours. That is a lot more. That's double almost. He is at 453 hours and 40 minutes, according to Guinness as of 1997 when they shut it down. Because I'm guessing that man is probably either no longer. But he's not in good shape right now. Probably not doing so well would be my guess. Um, pretty horrible experience. I Listen. I respect the grind, man. I respect the hustle to try to, you know, break a record. That I am not. What's the latest that. you stayed up or longest you stayed up? Oh, barely over two days. Like maybe. Me too. I was like going to say just around two when it starts getting weird. Yeah. For me, it's like, it's not about like the straight days without sleep. It's not like that. Like, I don't think I've ever really gone. Two days would be like max, absolute max. It's, it wasn't that like that for me. I mean, you, you know, me, Earl, back in the day, I used to like, I was, I you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a worker. I used to work a hundred hours a week, multiple times over. Um, so there would be like times where I would sleep for maybe two hours and then get right back to it. But, you know, and do, and I could do that for a week before it was like total burnout and then I'd actually have to sleep for like a whole day. Um, but like, I, I, I have to admit, I don't think that I've ever gone more than like a full two days without sleep. And if I did, it was honestly the most, the least amount of sleep I've ever gotten in one stretch is just when my children were born <laughs> for obvious right. reasons. This is not, but even then, part even if deal. you, even if you are able to take like a micro nap, like that's still, yeah, no, even when my, like even, yeah, even having young children, having infants in the home, like it's, you don't sleep, but it's, and even you sleep is the pro is the difference. Like you actually do fall asleep, but your sleep is not like, what's the rule of thumb? It's like, it's like six to seven hours to reach REM cycle to like actually have rapid mm-hmm. eye movement sleep, which is the sleep that actually uh, rests the brain actually regenerates brain cells. It does all the things that you need the brain to do uh, when it's in a state of sleep or an unconscious state. Um, but like when you have an infant, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for a while. You get, I mean, I, I've went through a couple of months of that for each child, and it's 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 terrible. But you get used to it pretty fast. Yeah, babies awesome. sleep a lot, but they sleep whenever they want. So yeah, it's... and most of the time it does not line up with your schedule. So no. that's. Um, but like I, I'm seeing here, it's like a there's. It, I think they're called uh, short micro sleeps. Um, it's it's like a. I think that's part of where the brain just the brain does just start to to shut down. Right. On its own, so. Um, okay. So that's a, that's a great example to kick us off. Uh, I'm going to fire one off here. Um, just to, uh, just to get a little lay of the land here. So I had, um, on the more athletic side, I wanted to start with like a very famous one. This one is, this one's pretty well known. Most people know about the story. 
um, because it was it became such a, a massive film. Uh, I'm talking about, and this is in terms of, ins- it's interesting because I wouldn't necessarily categorize it purely as endurance, although definitely endurance is a part of the a, a part of the discussion. I'm talking Alex Honnold uh, free soloing the El Capitan uh, in f- like three and a half hours. <laughs> um, one of the one of the like most in- impressive achievements. I wanted to start it off just because it is such a like kind of like a mainstream example. Of, you you want to know how I like to uh, how I like to gauge accomplishments? Let's hear it by like the percentile of people that could realistically do that. Yeah, um, I remember that is something that like the risk reward is like he's it's like one of one there might be someone else who's like who can like possibly do it after but like the fact that he just did that is crazy yeah i mean him he's he's obviously like a crazy um he's a crazy crazy athlete and like what he's managed to achieve and like i i remember seeing the film and like i knew about alex Honnold long before that and like what he's been able to do and he he's like this is the other aspect of endurance stuff is going to be the alpine climbing shit like the the rock climbers and expeditioners of the world who you know they kind of eke into like the frontiers that um in terms of like what humans can achieve like i was i was comparing this when when i saw the film um i actually knew about the tommy caldwell um record previously about of when he climbed um el capitan um solo without without you know without harnesses and equipment and such like basically just using chalk um mm-hmm. and i i remember seeing the film and being like okay i kind of know that he does this because i i knew that alex honnold broke the record before the film came out and then the film came out and it was like this is still very harrowing to watch because of the way it's shot but like um he does it in such an incredible amount of time it's like it's genuinely shocking I mean, it's, it's, I compared it to like that of like, this is at nearly as impressive as like landing on the moon. Um, to be able to like, to, to scale a sheer granite rock, um, at a pace of, I believe his record was, uh, what was it like three hours and, um, he, three hours and 56 minutes, which I think the it took, it took the previous record holder, like, like over a day. Or something crazy like that. Maybe it was like right. He's like, I'm just gonna yaws it. Yeah, like <laughs> well, he had like mapped it out, and they go through it in the film, and it's not. Ex- I wouldn't. Maybe it's. Maybe I'm kind of cheating a little bit here because it's not quite so much that it's endurance, although it definitely is. Um, it's because it's not long term. It's not like really a long term achievement. It's more so. It's more so just like the, at a certain point, pushing the human body to that point where like you have obviously he's the dude probably trained every muscle um in his hands in his arms in his shoulders in his back and legs like all the muscles that needed to be to be at full strength managed the mo- the the mo- most important thing hands climbers are yeah. some of like they have like the craziest grip strength like you've ever seen oh yeah and the thumbs too they have like their thumbs specifically because they use their thumbs as like leverage like you watch him like wedge his the edge of his thumb into like um, just the perfect crack that is so small, that is mere millimeters from being not enough or just enough to to move to the next stage or phase of the climb. And uh, I mean, this dude, I would say that honestly, more the more endurance based, you know, feat of Alex Honnold at this point in his like climbing career is that is that he's managed to 
continued doing this for as long as he has. Uh, I know he's not super old and there's been a lot of free solo climbers who have lived, you know, long lives and they've lived into their sixties and seventies, but not, not all of them are taking the same risks. Um, Alex Honnold is. And the fact that he's escaped like serious injury or God forbid, even death is, I mean, that's that in and of itself is quite the accomplishment. So, um, yeah, he it's it, the the free solo climb was twenty nine hundred feet of of sheer granite in three hours and fifty six minutes, um, which is just absurd. I mean, it's just absurd. And and the fact that they had a film crew catch it and he happened to do it on the right day and I mean it was just uh, the stars aligned for that achievement. And um, if anybody hasn't seen Free Solo, um, the film, it's a incredible film and an incredible achievement. So. Um, Errol, why don't you get us back on track? Because I feel like I feel like you've got some good and in, truly endurance-based feats. Why don't you hit us with another one? Yeah, if you wanted to stay with the uh, almost in the same uh, uh, in the same ilk as the Alpine, uh, you could always just go back to the old uh, old explorers like old uh, Ernest uh, Shackleton. Oh, you got Shackleton, nice. Yeah, no, no, oh, yeah. I was actually just reading about him before we started recording. Let's uh, let's hit it. Tell us what. Uh, Ernest Shackleton. What's one of what's the big uh, the big voyage? Um. So he uh, explored uh, the Antarctic at, in around nineteen fourteen. So you got to imagine uh, you got like uh, fur fur coats. Like you, you got just oh. about that, and uh, you got not much of a map because <laughs> yeah. not a lot of people go there. <laughs> Basically, no one. Yeah. So um, he and his team were they're like we're just we're doing it. And, um, it's still like, it's even today, that would be a crazy feat. Like you don't hear about people doing that. Cause it's almost like, there's no reason to, cause like, we know that there's nothing there, but like, he's just like, forget it. And no, that's the thing. Like people still do it. Like I've actually seen something, um, uh, there's this, uh, one girl who I saw like this, uh, this post and someone was like, make me a sandwich. Or something like that, because she was a girl, and he's like, "Oh God, her roasted on the internet," and then she like made a sandwich, and then put it at like the North Pole or like the South Pole or something like that, and she's like, "Yeah, get, how about you get it?" And I was like, Dang. <laughs> <laughs> she just it there. But like, yeah, so like people still do it, but. Yeah. You know, just back in the day, um, doing shit in the twenties is a hell of a lot different than doing shit his, in the twenty twenties, right? His boat almost got crushed by ice, and they had to live on a tiny iceberg. Bro, and, like uh, this is what I'm saying. People were just built different back then, and I mean, well, this is this is perfect because he actually um, one of his voyage expeditions was actually called the Endurance. It was one of the, uh, I believe, it was one of the he named one of the ships called Endurance, um, and I mean, these frontiersmen are like the people. They really kind of embody the the the. State you literally have to endure. Yeah, right. Well, it's it's also mental endurance of like. I mean, it's the greatest fear. We've talked about this before, but the, what's the greatest fear for the human mind is is the unknown. And like frontiersmen are just constantly dealing with the unknown. They only have speculation. They only have, um, you know, in, in today's day day and age, you have satellite images and you've got GIS systems and there's ways to kind of bypass any of like the unknown frontiersmen um, or un, uh, any of the unknown terrain 
that the frontiersmen had to deal with. Like you can kind of you can kind of get away with things because you you can kind of I mean there are certain you know examples of that like cave divers and stuff who don't get to utilize the same technology. Although I'm sure there there is technology for it. The frontiersmen were working with nothing like fucking spitting in the wind out there trying to figure out which directions what <laughs> and they here we are here we are just like all corners of the of the earth being uh you know being explored and uh, shackleton's a great example i was actually um i think we both came across it specifically because of um the same reason which was probably because we were researching using the word endurance and right. uh and his voyage was that, and it was it was it works because it was named that for a reason. Um, have you ever read the book um, about Shackleton? There, there's like a very famous book. I ha- actually, my dad gave me a copy, told me to read it, and never got to it. But um, all, like right before that, uh, Douglas and Moss and showing that it's not always sweet out in the Antarctic. If you did, if you thought it was, he went out in 1912, just before three man okay. team. Uh, they fell into a crevice. Or sorry, the oh, sledding team god. fell into a crevice. Oh god! Uh, him and the hard. other guy uh, were forced to eat their dogs, and they ingested an, a toxic amount of vitamin A. They must have ate the liver. Oh, oh, that might, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, Mertz went mad and died, and Moss had made it out. Jesus. Driven by, uh, by the desire to propose to his girlfriend. Good lord! They were like that Argentina soccer team. Like yeah, crashed in the freaking man, I didn't even of... have them on here, but like you know. Well, that's ooh. not really endurance because they weren't. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it okay. was. It was to like to a degree. I, I, I'm not trying to like diminish, but I mean, it, they didn't choose to be in that position. They just got. Oh, they did choose to get on the plane and crash. Yeah, they they would choose. They did. Oh. They. Oh, you're. I see what you mean. Yeah, no, there's, there's some. Yeah, there's some. They, 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 they chose to, st- to start the fire. They, st- no, they choose. <laughs> they choose. They choose to eat it. Like chewed on. They choose to. Eat oh, it. they choose. Them's choosed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's. Uh, well, maybe, maybe we could do beats of endurance because they story. probably ate someone's foot. I'm just. I'm sorry. Oh my god! Just you're out of control. Um, no, that's a, that's a, that's a great example. Um, the, uh, Shackleton, well, let's stay on that. I'm going to pivot a little bit. Uh, it's only a small pivot. I'm just going to jump ahead a hundred years. Um, I'm talking, uh, we'll stay in the Antarctic. I'm talking Colin O'Brady. Okay. Um, Colin O'Brady, uh, became the first person to cross the Antarctica unaided and unsupported alone, which Jesus Christ. Okay, so let me, let me I'll dive into some of the details. After 54 long days battling sub-zero temperatures, windstorms, and complete whiteouts, Colin O'Brady has become the first person to cross Antarctica alone, unaided, without support, or supply drops. This was as of, when was this? Uh, I believe in the last year. Uh, 2022 sometime. I don't have the exact date, but we'll pull it up here in a minute. Um, most people don't wake up to the goal uh, to travel the continent, Antarctica coast to coast completely by themselves um but this dude this dude fucking did it okay i'm sorry here's the date december 26 2018 um is when he completed it so 54 days prior to that he covered 932 miles in 54 days um which is it's just absurd that's just absurd can you imagine the fear i mean i just can't believe that a human being just doesn't how do you not cave at some point along that that path 
I mean, it's just right. you, you wonder what kind of um, technology and details he covered, but like, I know, I know it's different now because you got to imagine you probably utilize some technology, right? Oh um, yeah, and then you you just say you have a better game plan, right? And you can also map things out, and you can kind of know how long it's going to more take. Um, more dense nutri- nutrient pack stuff. True. Right. Right. Yeah. So you can, you could, yes, that's a great, that's a great point. You, like, you could, you can truly keep yourself well fed. You actually know what the goal is. Um, he probably had an out too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he called a helicopter. My the chopper broke. down here. I stubbed my toe. Get me out of here. Definitely. <laughs> Bro, I, that would happen to me in like mile two. I'd be like, I'd be like it is, is literally freezing. <laughs> I can see my breath. Get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 31 degrees. You're like, I, that's what I said. It's literally freezing. <laughs> yeah, it's actually negative 40. This wind's cutting a little too cold for me. They're like, Somebody... I don't, you need to put on another coat or something because it's going to get down in about an hour or so. We're not going to be able to come in because of the storm. <laughs> like, you They're like, pick up a corpse. <laughs> like, you're, you're like, yeah, you don't want to put on another coat. You're like, you better put on the goddamn hot cup of Joe. And get in my ass. <laughs> You put on your pilot helmet. <laughs> you better fire that goddamn chopper up and point that motherfucker south. I need to search and rescue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is like this is what makes these feeds so like I couldn't do dude. I walk to work, it's not even a block away. I could throw a rock there. If I chucked if I took a rock and I threw it as hard as I could, and then I got it, and then I threw it as hard as I could again, I'd be at my work. Like it's like right there. Like and there I are days work. in the winter when you're just like, fuck this, and you're just teeth okay. chattering. <laughs> <laughs> this dude did it 32 hours yards. look at this one. Oh, this is a detail i want to hit though like this dude okay with only 77.5.54 miles remaining of the 921 mile journey across antarctica uh o'brady plunged ahead in one final sleepless 32 hour trek on the 53rd day of his excursion so he he's like i'm getting the hit the jets that's crazy too okay so you want to talk about endurance so like this dude had to break through a wall there and like you know how you know what they say obviously so let's let's i gotta throw the very like obvious and trite uh statistic out there that like um Every time the a person thinks that they're they, anytime a person hits their equip button, it's actually more likely that they've really only utilized ten percent of their human resource or whatever. Well, so yeah, like because if it was like a life or death situation, you could sprint from right there. Like when you're really tired, like if yeah, you yeah. were if you were like jogging on a treadmill and you're like, oh man, I'm so tired. And then like, you heard like a gun go off or something like you would be able to dip out the door. Like you would right. run like a, you'd run like a deer. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean that, listen, it's, it's, I guess that makes a lot of sense, but that actually makes me think <laughs> some of these endurance athletes are genuinely just fucking psychopaths, like full psychopaths. Um, like they can actually tap into the fight or flight part of their brain. That's uh, that's what one of uh, the strong men did. I can't think of his name, but he just like broke the deadlift world record. And um, he like he was doing the deadlift. He started like bleeding from his nose as he was doing it. And he said he just like pretty much like imagined that like his kid was like ransomed or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that was probably part of that. And it was also probably the fact that he had probably raged on like 16 fucking straight smelling salt rips. 
Yeah, and like 16 straight cycles, but well, I would yeah, never tell him that. No, yeah, I mean, we'll, I'm not even, we, I'm trying to find know. the guy so he can be like, what'd you say on your podcast and literally rip me in half? No, they actually use smelling salts, though. I'm not, I'm no, not... I'm, I said, I said cycles because there's, if you, I mean, me, I don't no mean it insultingly, dead. it's they achieve a hell of a lot more than I ever have and I ever will, but like, I genuinely, th- I, I, I truly think that like, for the sake of athletic competition to be able to achieve some of the things. I think about this even about like UFC fighters. We talk a lot about the UFC on the peripheral news podcast. I think about this a lot. These guys, these guys go out there and like some of them have to know, maybe, maybe they have to override this, but I think some, most of them deep down know that like achieving true gold and like superstardom and uh, endless wealth is like, it's very unlikely. I mean, there's a lot of fighters in the world and there's a lot of professional fighters, amateur fighters, like, most of them probably are aware that like reaching that mountaintop where they're like genuinely rich, famous and athletic champions is like probably not going to happen, but they just love the competition. And it's just well, so you want to know what I found that place. You know, you want to know what I found in my, in my journey through life when it comes to like true champions. Sure. Let's hear it. They're not, they never wanted to be champions. They just loved the competition. It's they just, wanted to. They wanted to be the best at what they were doing. They didn't want it. There wasn't an end. And there's so, like some people. Yeah, this like, is the last were, dance, Michael Jordan. Like this is like. Yeah, this is my like, obsession um, with victory. Yeah, so like I'll I'll actually uh when I talk about him later, uh, Thomas Bax is a really good example of it. When people aren't competing against competition, but they're competing against themselves, that is when there is a problem. Like you, that person is going to win every single time because they're not trying to beat you. They're trying to beat their personal best. And if they already are really good and they're just like trying to do that, like it's, it's, it's just like a different, um, it's a different mindset. It's one thing to be like, I really hope that this guy like doesn't show up and like I show up and like I happen to win. You know what I mean? Like I could, I hope it comes down to a coin flip and I would win the coin flip. If you ask like, other people, it's like there's not going to be a coin flip. I'm either going to win or lose, but I'm going to do my best, and I've like trained for it the whole time, and that person usually wins. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That that's like a trick of the mind. Like it really is a part of like it's a part of every like great athlete story is that they just have. I mean, it's dude. I won't lie. I'm a coin flip guy. But whenever I played sports, I was really good, but I was never great, and I probably could have been if I just had a. Uh, a harder uh more uh fortified mentality but like when the going got tough i was like man please yeah that was always that was always my problem as like for me personally i was like baseball was my go-to sport but like i just got i just got so much joy out of playing that like and i, I did have a little competitive edge but like and I got bummed out if I if I didn't pitch well or I made an, an error or I went over four at the plate, whatever. If I had a, a rough day on the field, like it it would it would bother me for sure. But I don't know that it bothered me from a competitive standpoint. I think it more so bothered me just from like a um just I want to fucking play and it's more fun to play when you're doing well. And yeah, uh, exactly. I think I had more fun. Pl- I had I was enjoying sport way more on the fu- on just like this is like fun. And like, and victory makes this more fun. Whereas like some people, I think the achievement is what is the end goal. And like, they're not there to have fun. They're there to fuck. Right. Like it doesn't matter what happens in the meantime, as long as like, yeah, they're willing, they're looking to suffer to gain victory. And then the good feeling happens when they walk home with the trophy. 
Whereas, like, I just wanted to be on the field. I just wanted to, like, play. I wanted to play and pitch and hit and run and base run and, like, like strategize in the way. Like, I like the process of playing where some people, I think, are obsessed with the end. And both of those are a double-edged sword because in in one aspect, you're going to have a competitive edge. But, like, in the other aspect, the person who's really just going to, like, analyze the game and they actually like the game um, is going to be less, like, bogged down by it something that they want to do that's the difference yeah. it's something that they and there's no there's no way that these people do any of these records if it's something that they had a shadow of a doubt of they had like you they had to go there was never like ah uh, like i kind of maybe i could do it. it's like no like i have to do this because like all these records are like just they're the they're the like the cream of the crop at least a lot of the stuff we're talking about it's just like the the longest time doing this or like the uh like once a lot of people tried to break these records so that's the thing like there's a build-up to it where people are just staying awake that whole time i um, just can't and- i can't understand some of them some of these records i just can't even they're so i mean that literally like I, sometimes i all right let me give i want to shift us a little bit do you mind if i move us a into a, a new kind of domain yeah um, no real quick eddie hall was the deadlifting guy I was talking about. He doesn't even have the world record, I don't believe. But uh Eddie Hall. He, okay. Yeah, five hundred kg. That's still nothing to uh, half a God ton. Damn. But 100, 102 pounds Jesus. over half a ton. Yeah. Once again, like just just and just astounding numbers that don't even make sense to the human brain to even comprehend. Um and it's like something that you would need like a uh hysterical strength to do. Like that's like looking hysterical up the is car. a great yes. That's a great way to to describe some of the achievement or the, or just the level, the standard to be that high. It's just like, well, it's like, you know, it's that old motorhead song. It's fucking, is that victory or death? Like mm-hmm. you have to kind of do, you kind of have to have that mentality. It's gotta be that, or it's gotta be either I'm going to achieve this or I'm going to actually perish in the process or, or seriously injure myself. And the willingness to just accept the outcome of either or, um, push through mentally. I mean, these are fascinating people. Um, speaking of fascinating people, I've got one for you that a name that you might not associate entirely with endurance, um, but holds in, in accordance with what I've got here. And I, 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 like I said, some of these numbers, I just read them and I, I'm so astounded by them that I, I kind of don't even believe them. I just, I just don't. And I, I'm, I'm going to have to take the word of the record holders Republic, a registry of official record, official world records is a governing body of world record holders and record breakers, a f- official record breakers. So this is, this is an established, uh, I mean, I have the president Dean Gould, out of the UK, Dr. David R. Ad- Admanovich, uh, out of the U S Leah Mudasari uh, out of Asia, uh, I mean, you've got you've got vice presidents, you've got company partners. This is a legit site. The man I'm talking about is David Blaine, and I'm talking. Oh, and I'm talking about. Wrong. I'm right, and I'm talking about David Blaine. Let me list off a few of these endurance performance. Errol, I want you to react to them in real time here. Uh, let's start with the uh, with the first one that I found just absolutely astonishing, and I I don't even understand. Endurance performance. This is a world record as of. Uh, the site was established in 2001. I believe this record holds to this day. I'd have, I'm going to, I'm going to double source this um, as we're, as we're moving through it, but let me hit you with the first one. Endurance performance, water submersion, full body, 177 hours. 
Somebody explain to me how that is even remotely possible. Did he... Did he use that, like, blood transfusion thing? Yeah, so, and according to time.com, um, in order to maximize the amount of air taken into the lungs before apnea, Blaine, among other divers, inhaled until his lungs were filled, filled to their physiological capacity, and then forced additional air into the lungs by swallowing hard. So, like, basically loading up the lungs, maybe? And then burp a little out. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Hold on, let's let's see. Drowned the the attempt was called drowned alive, and I am. It looks like he may have failed it at least once. Um, but it it does show. I mean, maybe he. Wait how how long? I, the, this this site is one hundred and seventy seven hours. How is this possible? How could this how? be possible? So I'm getting. What I have for the longest breath, just totally unrelated, I just happen to have it up. It's a free diver. Um, they're underwater for 17 minutes and four seconds. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if this is, if this is, uh, maybe this site is bunk. <laughs> I hate to. Wait, I, no, I, sorry, sorry. David Blaine held the world record after he held his breath underwater for 17 minutes and four seconds on oprah uh and then a german diver he uh he was the uh, world's leading free or one of the world's leading free divers attempted um depths of nearly 700 feet without the aid of oxygen and he was able to reach um uh, frightening points due to an amazing lung capacity and he bested blaine when he submerged himself underwater for 17 minutes and 19 seconds yeah, maybe this is like full body in terms of like um, – maybe this is a bad website. I'll, I'll pull off of the site because it sounds like the re Record Holders Republic out of the UK is full of lagna here. Um, maybe it's like a – I don't know where they're getting this number because, I mean, that genuinely sounds impossible and it, it seems as though it is because I'm also seeing the same numbers you are. 17 minutes, 4 seconds is a world record for holding his breath. But I'm wondering if maybe what they're indicating is that his – his uh maybe his his head wasn't underwater his like the rest of his body was submerged for 177 hours um which i i don't i, I would wonder what would what the ramifications that would be it says full body so i would assume that that meant his head too but maybe it just means from like the neck down um I'm not sure, but we'll disregard we'll disregard this as a site. Let's I'll pull I'll pull something else up. But David Blaine, anyways, um, I mean, most you want to hear another ridiculous claim? Let's hear it. That has a little bit of a uh, little bit of merit to it as well, like the David Blaine thing. Like he did, David Blaine definitely did like the 17 minutes and then and then got beat by a little bit by some dude. You know, he was counting in his head. He's like <laughs> six. <laughs> And he's like got up like because he didn't beat him by much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He heard him counting down. Yeah. I mean, but uh yeah, uh Pralad Johnny, an elderly Indian man who was uh, professed as something or professed something of an aversion to food and drink, and he claimed that he doesn't need to do either at all. Uh oh, I think I've heard this before. This one I might have stumbled upon on my, my yeah. He claims that he hasn't eaten in, or drank in seventy years. Uh, he uh, 
where did he go? He went to a uh, a hospital in India, and they uh, watched him. He didn't consume food or drink or urinate for 15 days, and his vitals were completely normal. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. What is that? Even? And so that's the thing. So here's the thing. Here's one thing that you, that we probably should have mentioned earlier with the uh, rules of endurance. It is uh, the rule of threes. Three minutes without oxygen, on average, is about how long you can live oh, before right, this permanent yeah. damage. Yep. Three days without water, and then three mm-hmm. weeks without so food. Right. Yep. I've heard the same. Before, thing. like you are like dead. You're basically dead. Yep. Yeah. That's so, very bizarre. I wonder. What... But like 15 days, like I told you, I was fine. I don't need to do any of this. Well, okay. So that's a perfect segue into. I, I do want to circle. Um, well, let me list off. I want to use that as a segue into another individual who I think is like deeply important in this discussion. But I want to hit. I want to hit the actual David Blaine stunts that he. Um, I want to actually let me let me. I want to actually do justice to his like achievements because they are pretty crazy and some of them are tricks and obviously, you know, the levitation stuff and he's got he's got ways of like some of them are illusions some of them are actually like genuinely just he found a way to utilize the human body in a way. Um, we, we talked, he held his breast for 17 minutes, which was a world record. He did, he, he did not eat for 44 days. So he did a 44 day water fast. Um, he stood on a pole for 35 hours, um, a 90 foot pole in Manhattan, no food, uh, water or anything yeah. else. So did um, my ex. <laughs> nice. Very, very nice. Very, very... <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's beautiful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well done arrow um stood on a block of ice for 63 hours um which uh, I'm, i want to use that also as a part of the segment um he was buried alive for 70 for seven days i'm sorry um in a glass coffin under a water-filled tank for seven days so he there was air but very little of it probably um he supposedly electrocuted himself this is where the stuff gets a little bit like hmm, are we talking about are we doing uh, illusion? Is this a, an illusionist's trick, or is this somebody who's just genuinely very like successful at um, finding ways to endure? Speaking of people who are um, excellent at endurance and genuine genuine biological phenomenons, Wim Hof. Wim Hof. Yeah, we're gonna talk a little oh, Wim, Wim Hof. Yeah, you knew you knew what was coming. We're talking Wim Hof. We're talking the Ice Man. The fucking ice man. I mean, uh, an endurance and he embodies endurance in the, in the new age. Right. And in, in probably a lot of ways, um, this man has, um, been studied by many, many, uh, scientific institutions, medical institutions. The man does, like, he, he's, 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 he's pretty old at this point. I think he's in his sixties. Um, he has some records. Uh, I don't know if they're still held to this day, but like, at his age um, and what he's done. So he's got the Wim Hof method, which is like a method of breathing. That's very like, um, it like oxygen, you oxygen, you like uh, deprive your blood of oxygen and then you kind of flood it with oxygen. This is the form of, of breathing that he does. And I mean, he's, he's, he claims a lot of things. He claims that uh, I think that he used, he like used this mental, this like meditation slash um, breathing technique. I believe that at one point he, um, he, he, he had a medical interaction with an, a virus. Um, and he like, he, got oh, and he, yeah, he had an autoimmune response. Like he activated his immune system. Yeah. Like a voluntary activation of this, which is a, it, which is a, um, 
it's it's a non-voluntary response, totally um, just done uh, automatically. By right. your, uh, he actually turned it into a voluntary thing, like using. How do you just turn on like your lymphatic system? I, this is this is the anomaly of what the individual of what a strange individual he is. I mean, and there is a actual full uh, National Library of Medicine produced an incredible study on him: voluntary activation of the sympathetic nervous system and attenuation of the innate immune response in humans. So, like he's in this study and they, they don't understand what, I mean, they do understand to a degree of, of what happened, of what happens biologically to him. Um, but they don't know how he's doing it. Um, I think is part of it. I mean, he was, he's very, he, so here and he coaches people thing, on how to do it as well. Yeah. And here, here's the thing too, that I really like about, um, about Wim Hof is because it, it seems like, like, like a bunch of hooey. It seems not. like a like a pyramid scheme, like a oh, like just do this and you'll be able to melt snow in your underwear. Like learn my Tai Chi meditation, <laughs> and you'll be able to. But it's like scientifically proven. Yeah, because he puts was, his money where his mouth is, and he he's willing. He, he's it's, he's not some kook. He's not like uh like a kooky Buddhist Tibetan Buddhist. To, it seems like he's a kooky Buddhist. He does well. He is like I guess that his like backstory I believe is that his wife committed suicide and she like fell victim to her like depression, and it kind of spiraled him into a depression, and then he just started. I think he like spontaneously like dove into like an ice. I mean, he's, I think he's Nordic. Is he from Norway or somewhere in Scandinavia up there, in Northern Europe? And I believe he just dove into some cold water and like it made him feel better. And then he just he kept was baptized and reborn. Yeah. Something kind of Jesus. I mean, frost. Right. yeah, like genuinely. And uh, I mean, he's made a full career out of this and it, it's helped, uh, it's helped so many people. And I, I encourage anybody who hasn't actually um, interacted with any of his uh, videos or his YouTube videos or his, any of his writings. He's got, I think he's got multiple books out there. Um, I mean, it, here's a, here's from science daily research on Iceman Wim Hof suggests it may be possible to influence automatic nervous system and immune response. Like this is not, this is not speculation. Like he's, he's, he's done it and he's actually done, you know, repeat attempts. You know what, what I saw that actually, I was like, all right, I should probably learn this because it might actually save my life. And if it's really something that can be taught and learned, like it might be worth it. Um, when he like has a group of people, they're sitting outside in like, just like shorts, like everyone's just got like pretty much undergarments on. for the No shoes, part. no socks, yeah, no shirt. And like exposed, they just sat cross leg, like just crisscross applesauce mm -hmm. and um just did that meditation stuff by the end they all had like a like melted grass around them <laughs> like it was green around where they were sitting yeah. and, and also notice that every single one of them because they're with him have a massive smile on their face like yeah because like he's just this incredibly real. positive guy like i was like imagine like just knowing that breathing technique and then like being like oh no i'm gonna die and be like or i could just <gasps> <laughs> and like i did i didn't um i looked over because like i said i was uh, i was like man living upstate might be good to like learn this technique yeah so, um and you probably know of it too like what you have to do is like uh it's something like you do like shallow breaths or something you and do then, many like, you, shallow breaths yep yeah and then you like do a deep breath and then you hold it in and then you kind of like push like <laughs> like force it and then as you like force it you uh you use like what is it like the imaginary heat <laughs> like the idea of heat like you just think of like a warmness inside of you and then you like 
you push that warmness out from yeah. the inside and then until you just keep like you like stoke the flames well it's kind of it's yeah i mean it, it, this is like that's like the mental side of it and I, that's probably how you reach fucking like wim hof enlightenment or whatever but like from my perspective the like the thing that he that he used to teach um in the older videos because i i kind of ran into his stuff probably around 2015 14 somewhere in there and like you basically take those shallow breaths and then you take a giant you take one big inhalation and then you don't exhale entirely, right? You, you like three quarters, you, you exhale three quarters, catch at the three quarter mark and then inhale again. And you do that. And then you repeat that. Like, I'm, I, I won't like, I'm not going to do it here on it's, it doesn't make for great radio, but like <laughs> it's, it, you actually get quite lightheaded and then you kind of get a dopaminergic response from it. Like you can definitely tell like there's like an uptick in serotonin a little bit. Like there's something going on there that feels good because you're, I mean, it's mostly because your blood is you're oxygenating your blood. I mean, this is what's going on. You're, you're intaking a lot more oxygen because of the breaths you're taking, you're taking bigger breaths and then you're holding more oxygen in your body um, within those breaths. And it's got to go somewhere. I think it probably, probably just courses the blood through the lungs or whatever. Um, but it's, I mean, this dude is, uh, I, I mean, I've tried it and it, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you where it works. This is how I know it works. I haven't gone into like the deep mental, you know, advantages that it has, but I've tried it. I try it when I do my cold showers. Right. So that's kind of how I warm up for them. Like I do, I do about like one to at most three or four minutes of ice cold in the shower, probably two or three times a week. I wish I did it more. I, I, I probably should this time of year. It's kind of tough. You know, I work outside, so it's like, it's, it's cold. Um, but like, I'll do it as a warm up when I'm at the tail end of my shower, I'll just start, I'll just start doing that Wim Hof breathing to like get my blood coursing quicker, uh, a little bit more quickly. And then I slam it to that ice cold and it's, it just makes it much more tolerable. Like you don't feel it quite as much. You're a little bit lightheaded. And then, um, when you get out, you also stop that breathing and you're not only do you get the benefits of like the cold exposure, but you also get like the breathing benefits too, where like, you kind of like your uh, heart rate will regulate to a little bit more of a steady, slower pace, a little calmer pace. And, um, I mean, that's just my experience. I'm sure there's a bunch of science I'm leaving out. That's probably, you know, much more, you know, on the mental health side for, from that perspective, it's by the way it sounds, um, for Wim Hof, it's, it's all tied together, like your physical health, your mental health and what cold therapy does, um, it kind of ties to everything. And I don't mean to ramble on, but like, it does tie to like, on an evolutionary level, you think about this a lot. The things that make people healthier in 2023 are typically the things that we stopped doing when like the species adapted and evolved. Like, like even like you think about fasting, like fasting produces like some great like health benefits. Yeah. And the reason for that is because we didn't fucking eat all, we never used to eat three meals a day. Right. Mm -hmm. So now because we're so lucky to live in 2023, it's like, Oh yeah, that's probably a part of the human experience that we should introduce more. Um, and cold therapy, you think the same thing. Like we weren't always warm because we just we had car. We never we didn't have cars to keep us warm when we traveled. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have every room in our home wasn't always warm. You were warm mm -hmm. when you were by the fire, and that's it. If it was winter, um, so like it's a wonder that like being exposed to like less food in more harsh environments, uh, cold environments specifically, like probably good for my, you. 
my uncle said he told himself uh, that he needs to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Love that. Yeah. A lot of benefit in that. I mean, this is, this is the, this is the Buddhist philosophy of suffering. Life is suffering. Life is not intentionally suffering, but like life is naturally suffering. Life is difficult on its, uh, on a natural level. And um, it's supposed to be. Right. And then you make it better. It feels good to combat suffering so with you, like. So here's the thing too, because I would say I wouldn't like uh classify or I'm not diagnosed as like a depressed person, but I get a little humdrum sometimes like about sure. my problems. Mm -hmm. When you think about like, like the meaning of life, if we take like humans out the equation, which is a lot easier because then you just have to go like philosophical, like what's my purpose, all that. Like just take – let's take us out the equation. If you just ask like the animal kingdom what the meaning of life is, it's to fucking survive. Just live every single day. Like just one more <laughs> day. Don't get eaten. Don't break your – toe because if you break anything it's a death sentence like you need to find stuff you need to like lay low that's even if you're like an apex predator because if you're an apex predator like you got to worry about other apex predators they, yeah no you know. wonder it's so difficult to like find meaning in a world where like that's not a part of the story anymore so right? like, and i will i will never just uh because i i do kind of hate like the uh every day of like going to work and how it is just like a the grind mind numbing nine to five yeah like grind like all the time like it's like is this really like how it's supposed to be no i don't believe so but also like realistically if we didn't evolve we'd be out there in the wild too just like just survive <laughs> like just try yeah. to do your best so yeah. it always it's always nice putting that into perspective when like oh, you're yeah. like worried about something be like oh man at least i'm like not suffering the elements and not and not and yeah right like it's exactly right like and this is something you learn you can learn a lot about like reading about these endurance athletes is that like they subject themselves to like some pretty horrific conditions and like human conditions too like they'll push their bodies to these horrible places they'll push like they'll put themselves in like horrific environments that could kill them but like I can't I don't my perspective from listening to them and reading about them is that like it seems like. You know, you probably get the obsessive kinds kinds of these people that don't ever actually reach a finish line, or they never feel like they've truly satisfied that objective because they're just on to the next one as soon as they complete one. Um, but from my perspective, it's like that's a good way to live. I think it's a good. I think it's like a good um, um, tenet of of living life, especially in in a world where you don't actually life is so comfortable, you don't really have to subject yourself to any true difficulties. Um, you know, of that nature where like, you don't actually have to exercise. You could, you could live your, you could live 70 years and, and, or 60 years, or if you're lucky 80 years without truly pushing yourself and pushing your body to like a place, but like your body will let your body and your mind are probably going to tell you that's th that you're fucking up. <laughs> that's good. Oh. You're going to feel like shit. Cause you're like, you're going to physically feel like shit and you'll mental. And if you physically feel bad, like we all, everybody knows about like the gut microbiome and how it's linked to like mental health and shit. Like if, if you're not taking care of like your nutrition and your, and getting the exercise that the human body is built for, like your mind will deteriorate and your mental health will like, it's just, it's going right. to happen. Your serotonin levels so, are going to be all out of whack. And I'm, I'm well, sure. And you're kind of saying too, like there's people who like, um might be trying to just like cross like a finish line or whatever but it takes like something else to like push yourself to those crazy limits um 
this uh, one uh, one lady, uh, Kim Allen, uh, she made a serious attempt at breaking the 486 kilometer or the 302 mile continuous running record. <laughs> and uh, she failed. Wow. She ran over 85 hours the first time. Oh suffered hall- frightening hallucinations and she lost all of her toenails. She ran her toenails off. Oh my god. I've that's, that's not that seems hours. like a saying that you would hear on the toenails. I've never heard that. She literally wow. ran her feet feet to nubs. And um so uh she uh didn't she didn't do it the first time but succeeded uh next year in uh, just 86 hours uh she was 47 at the time yeah see this this is the other crazy story she isn't she wasn't particularly fond of running it's her fucking Um, mind she did it to challenge her own physical and mental endurance she was a former professional jockey and uh she was inspired to push her limits after she suffered a crippling leg break after being trampled by the horse or by a horse uh Kim says, Jeez. I swore then I'm never going to take for granted the ability to get out of bed and walk. Wow. And then yeah, she ran is... for a charity event to um, raise money for people with spinal injuries. This is the story. This is this is human spirit right here. This is a human spirit and it's, and it's indomitable human finest. spirit. It's exactly it's it's truly incredible. It's truly, truly incredible. What, a, what an impressive, uh, impressive person here. Are we like, I, I'll say to like her. She might be like one of the most inspiring things on here too. Like, I do want to. I want to see something really quick. Are we talking about the same Kim Allen? Let me see. Um, distance. Right there. Is, are you talking about the one from Auckland, from New Zealand? New Zealand, yeah. Okay, it's New Zealand. There's another Kim Allen that's from that uh, competes uh, in Central New York from Ithaca. So I was just making sure it wasn't the same one. No, it's, yeah, the one you're talking about is, is the New Zealand runner for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk. Let's uh, can shift that into another example of an individual who's probably maybe a little hot button because I think that he's kind of developed a bit of a um, reputation in the uh, social media sphere or the internet sphere, whatever you want to say. Let's talk a little David Goggins. David Goggins. I mean, another another incredible athletic achiever who has world records. I believe he held the world record for uh, pull ups. Right. So I was going to say you could almost uh, like some people would argue um, and I have like a pretty decent argument that David Goggins would be a good uh, uh, like uh, a good shepherd for like modern day endurance. Um, like I know uh, there, there's not really a lot of people. Oh, that's a lie. There's a lot of people doing like the whole like. Uh, yeah. Ultra uh, marathons are huge now. They're like kind of a big. Yeah. They get a lot. Uh, of but there's a, a lot of people doing a lot of. um like uh like self-help like videos and stuff like that but like he's just like he's my favorite thought about like thinking about dying like running he's my he's my my favorite because he keeps it real because this is the why i like david goggins and like whatever maybe his language and the way he kind of like interacts with like um you know who who might be listening but he for me he's he talks my language right like (laughs) he definitely like he talks my language because i think that he has it's not that he talks my language. It's that his inner inner demon voice sounds a lot like mine. <laughs> We're like, and it's actually pretty unhealthy. Like it's pro- it's probably not a good thing to have like a, you know, um, 
Like, yeah. have you two considered therapy? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like instead of working just out running. These, yeah, instead of just like destroying. Like, I, I believe he's like ran himself into like he's going to need like both knees replaced and like. Um, but here's the thing, though, he is because I've I've heard this argument from uh, from we'll say elders. We'll put it to you that way. Folks who are a little bit older who might not be interested so much in exercise or giving themselves a lot of excuses to not exercise. I I won't go into specifics, but my perspective is this, you got to trade over a little bit. Like maybe you got bad knees. Maybe, you know, it's, it's very possible for a lot of folks to be out there who are struggling with um, exercise. It's very easy to be like, you know, well, I've got this injury that I'm nursing, or I don't want to develop this injury because I'm getting up there in age or, it's just, I think David Goggins is the perfect voice for folks like that who are having a hard time getting up off the couch and just getting started. And here's why it's not because like, he's like insulting and he gets you pumped up and like, he gets, he kind of, he's kind of rough around the edges. I don't think it's that. I think it's more so that like you get the sense from him and his story that he was, he made a deal. He made a deal with the devil, so to speak, that if it, if it costs him some of his body, He's he's getting some of that of his mind back. He was like, I'll trade I'll trade my knees. Like maybe I won't have great knees when I'm in my 70s, but my mind's going to be stronger, and I'm going to be willing to do other things that maybe maybe my body will start to fail me earlier in life. But but I'm getting some of my mind back because I gave I I didn't have control over it when I was young, so I'm willing to give over some of my leg strength, my, my joints and my, my ankles and my Achilles and all of these, all of this, all these parts of my bodies are going to be kind of run down and broken when I'm older, maybe, but like, I mean, he's willing to make that deal because I think he wanted to, he wanted to gain some of his like mental clarity back. And that's what exercise will give you. Um, not to say that everyone has to go pushing themselves. To David I say, levels, but so I say, I would say that he's a good, like extreme on one end, another one, I guess, uh, Donald Trump was quoted this as saying, uh, like, uh, he was uh, arguing that a person, like a battery, is born with a finite amount of energy. Hmm. So yeah. if you just waste your battery just running on a treadmill the whole time, you're going to waste your spirit energy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so I feel like on a scale from. Did you say that was quoted from Donald Trump? Yeah. I, f- I feel like on a scale. All the way to the left at Donald Trump and all the way to the right at David Goggins. You got to lean more towards like David Goggins. Not like crazy, but like you can't just be like, well, I just won't do anything and hope for the best. Because like if you are in shape, then your body will be able to do bodily functions more efficiently. So you will live longer. Like that is just that's scientifically proven. That's if you're healthier than you're going to last yeah longer. you're far you're far more likely i would so much rather just need a hip or a knee replacement but like my heart health and my like i don't have heart disease and i i've i've lowered my chances to develop alzheimer's because you know my sleep is regulated or whatever whatever links there i think the sleep there's a lot of sleep studies out there about uh, you sleep better when you're tired and you're tired after you work out yeah and and also like by the way, I, I noticed this with myself because I, I fluctuate just like everybody else. It's very, and I shouldn't say everybody else, but a lot of people go through this where they'll struggle with, um, you know, they'll be on for a couple of weeks and then they're off for a couple of weeks. And that's kind of where I'm at. I usually I, I can have a good couple months and then I kind of taper off just a touch. I don't get too far off the tracks, but, you know, right before definitely... you really start seeing results. Yeah. Well, exactly. Right. Because like there's that like you get there's that wall. Um 
but I always notice that like um, the gains are always the gains are always all of the gains kind of start to compound. It's just like it's just like any other investment in life. Like it's a financial investment is the, is of the same principle. Like it compounds. Like I'll make a hell of a lot better food choice if I had a really solid workout in the morning. I'll be like, oh yeah, like why would I waste that workout by going through the fucking Don's drive through? And like spoiling that workout, I worked way too hard for that workout. Like I'm eating a steak and some right, just to eat ten thousand calories. Right, like give me, give me the, give me the goddamn like steak burrito or like something, something with some like protein and, and just make a better choice. It doesn't have to be perfect. No, nobody's. I never make perfect food choices and like consecutively all the time. But like I'm way more likely to if and this is me personally. I don't mean to be anecdotal, but it's. I think it's. I think it's generally probably true for most folks. Like if you're if you're exercising regularly. You're, you're going to uptick your chances of probably making some better food choices too. And like everything just starts to compound, but like, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's difficult. It's hard. We live in a weird world. Like we, we have, we have exposures to like crazy creature comforts that like no other time human beings have ever been so like have been made available to humans. It'll so happen so quick too. Oh, it's really did probably even the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Or even push it further than that. Even the last like ten years. I mean, how long has fucking Grubhub been around? Where like you don't even have to leave your chair as long as you can link your your financial institution to your phone and open up an app, and then bank your banking info is right there. It goes right in. You don't even have to get up. You right. don't even you have don't to even get need up. to talk to anyone. Yeah, we're already there, and Someone it's so will go through the drive-through for you. She's put in the comments, leave my bag of Don's on the door and get the hell leave out of here. <laughs> keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's it's a, it's a weird world. And it takes, it actually, I think that while I love the David Goggins, like hard nose, you know, bite down on the mouthpiece and go get after it. Go, go beat the world, you know, go run. You know, this is, we should start, you know, talk about his endurance and like his endurance achievements. Like this dude is, this dude is, he, he runs marathons like mad. Like, like he is uh, an absolute hammer. Um, and he runs, he's run, a, he's ran 135 miles in 24 hours before. Jesus. I mean, that, that's, that's absurd. That That's absurd. It was a world record. I think at one point um, he, uh, he overcame the extreme uh, physical and mental fatigue that comes with running such a long distance. He had to push himself beyond this physical limits and remain focused and determined to finish the race. It was a remarkable achievement. Um, he ran the Badwater Ultra Marathon, which is a 135 mile course. Um, he obviously had the uh, world record for uh, pull ups, 4,030. Um, I mean, he he's a specimen, man. Dude, 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 dude gets after it. He's uh, and not not to say that like you know, it's like I said, he's got a way of viewing the world that's like very extreme, and I think it's actually probably helped a lot more people than it's hurt. Um, but I think there, there also goes, there's probably a little bit of, uh, there's a, probably a little bit of life or air to be given to the conversation that it is much more difficult to be like, um, it's much more challenging to, because we're so incentivized and enticed by, you know, the marketing of, of creature comforts in the West. Um, it's a lot harder to, to make the right choices. I think going through life now than maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago. Everyone's just waiting for a pill to solve everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What's that? Ozempac? That's like the, that's like that diet pill that like makes you not hungry. 
Yeah. I guess, and I guess it's like not even unhealthy for you to take it, which is like, that's a dangerous thing. Like, people, people just want a panacea. Yeah. Bingo. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head. Um, Errol, do you have any other uh, endurance achievements? I'm sure you got a couple more, right? Uh, yeah. So, a uh, couple honorable mentions that I want to uh, just sure. talk about hit them up. would be I wanted to. Oh, uh, Dean, uh, Dean Carnazes. Ooh, I hit him too. I've got him on my list. Yeah. No, so if you do, then I'll just leave that non-honorable. You were going back. Uh, so two wrestlers, one of them a little more, uh, well-known, uh, Alexander, uh, Carolyn. Okay. Yeah, he went like his, he... He almost went his whole entire career without losing a single point. And then he lost, like, his final match. Oh, my God. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, he lost. It's. I'm telling you, this story is, it's. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. I, I said it's Sunny like. Listen episode, maybe? I believe so. I was like, it's crazy. It's almost as crazy, if not crazier, at least to me, than uh, the uh, the Miracle on Ice. Because uh, Ruling Gardner was like this suit. Well, granted, they're all underdogs, but like, nah, like the dude like wasn't losing a point. I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> and then on the uh, on the other side of the uh, spectrum, uh, gender spectrum, that is, uh, Yuri uh, Suzaki, she uh, she won gold uh, in the uh, fifty kilogram event at the twenty twenty Summer Olympics without conceding a single point. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean yeah. that—that's the definition so, of endurance. You want to know? You want to know what it takes to lose a point in wrestling or freestyle wrestling? It's position, right? It's just positional change. So, like with, with regular, like uh, like collegiate wrestling, um, if I go to take you down, I get a point. So, like, no takedowns. No one's ever taken her down. No one's ever got a point from her like that. Jesus. Um, if I have you taken down and I have like you in a position and then you break out and get up. Or, sorry, takedowns like two points or something. I'm butchered. So I think it's like two points for a takedown. If I get if I just get up, right? It's a uh, one point. So no one ex- escaped her that Olympics. If she took you down, like it was over. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's a wrap. They never got advantageous position because of reversal as well. If you're on the ground and then, like, say you don't get up, but you just, like, flip around and you grab her, point for reversal or two points or whatever. I don't know the wrestling thing. But either way, no one – she didn't let – nobody. it didn't matter as far as she was concerned because nobody was doing none of that. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, there's some savages out there who just continue to just... – I mean, are these people – are either one of them still alive and still going? I think Alex. I think they both are. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, both competing uh, still, I should say. Yeah, Yuri Suzaki is younger than us. She was born in nineteen ninety nine. Lord. Okay. Yeah. So this is a relatively new achievement. Good grief. Okay. So now we got the world of wrestling covered. What have we hit so far? We've hit, um, we've hit some weird ones. Sleep deprivation. We've hit some running stats. We have uh, pull ups. We've got alpine climbing. We've got uh, expeditions. Um, well, let's hit, I, you said it and I kind of want to circle to it, um, just cause it is, we got to hit a good running one. I mean, we have, we've talked about 
ultra marathons and marathon running. Um, Dean Carnazes, that's the one that you just mentioned. Uh, I want to hit his, his like achievements here um, before we, we get inching towards the closeout. Three, he ran 350 miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleep in 2005. Uh, now that sentence does not even compute in my brain. I don't even know. I don't even know how that's like, cause we were talking about sleep deprivation earlier. Right. And what was that record? It was 260 plus hours. And that's not doing jack that's shit. That's just sitting there. <laughs> He's just sitting yeah. there on an IV, just basically pumping in fluids. This dude is running without fucking barely any, like he's, he's not, he's only drinking enough water to live. He's probably not eating. I mean, that is an insane, insane achievement. That might be my, that might be, in my opinion, the most impressive running stat I've ever read. I mean, right, it's the uh, it's the continued running that gets me. It, it, well, the continued anything. It's easy. well. I don't think he. I think he took breaks. But I just mean, I I, I would imagine. Although, in he did it in eighty hours, right? Like, right. I don't know. So what saying, kind even of break if he, he took was... breaks, beat him. <laughs> Take less breaks. <laughs> <laughs> you well, but you said continuous. I was just saying. It, there's no indication that he just that he ran straight eighty hours, 80, 80 hours straight. I don't think that that's even possible. But, um. I would imagine though that those breaks were probably pretty fucking minimal, especially if he didn't a didn't sleep. Can you imagine being that tired, stopping, and then being and then like you're sitting there and they're just and you start dozing off and somebody's just like, nope, nope. <laughs> somebody shakes you by the shoulders. Wake up! Don't be a bitch. <laughs> and just... then you're just and then they gotta get you back up. They gotta like you. Well, guys like this, they nobody had to help him up. I'm sure he was just like, let's fucking go, but. Oh my god, 350 miles is absurd. Can I, I want to I'm going to pull up a I'm just going to pull up a map right now and I'm going to say it from central New York. Let's see how far away 350 miles is. Um I mean just 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 as a from Syracuse, New York. So we'll base it off of that. What is 350 miles south of 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 Syracuse? That's got to be uh 350 miles south of me. Where does that take us? I mean, that's got to get you all the way down to like, I don't know, the Virginias. Yeah, it's, it's talking about like, it's talking about like Ocean City, Maryland. That's, that's just straight running from Syracuse to, to, to like Virginia Beach almost. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. In 80 hours, too, by the way. Which, by the way, it takes to drive to... It's like 10 hours to drive there. So, like, he, he's an eighth... He's going an eighth the speed to drive. Um, pretty incredible. That's a, that's a big one. Um, Errol, you got another one? Um, got, like, two more, just as a touchdown. We have about two more that I want to hit. Yeah, then uh, just to, like, put... Yeah, yeah put stuff in perspective... Uh, the marathon uh, world record for, what is it, like 25 miles or 26? I'm sorry, say that again? What's a, a, mar- what's a marathon? Yeah, it's like 25 miles or 26. I think it's 26 miles. I believe a marathon is 26 miles. Yeah, so the record for that bad boy is like two hours and six minutes and 32 seconds. It's like... 26 five-minute consecutive miles. Shit. Jesus yeah. Christ. Marathon world yeah. record, second record progression. 
uh, Jeffrey Mutai of Kenya recorded a time of two hours and three minutes and two seconds. See? Shoo. Oh, the guy behind him, his fellow countryman, a fellow Kenyan, uh, only missed him by four seconds. He was four seconds behind it. Can you imagine? I would be like, yo, slow down. If you're not first, you're So last. the thing is, like a lot of those, a lot of those Kenyan runners, like what we're saying, like uh, they're like legit just built different. The low or sorry, the high altitude training than going to the low altitude. Oh yeah, I'm sure. It is crazy advantage. Um, yeah. Also, just to uh, circle back real quick to the uh, to the swimming, um, Katie Ledecky, she swam about a mile in uh, 15 minutes and 20 seconds. Jesus. Yeah, that's like crazy. That's. Well, speaking of like uh, female competitive swimming, um, I wanted to actually, this was one of the two the last two I wanted to hit. We'll pivot right to it. Um, Got to talk about Diana uh, Nyad, right? Um, specifically important to talk about Nyad, about uh, Diana Nyad, because she is actually, uh, there's a Netflix film uh, based on her that's like, that's out right now. It's actually just came out this, this fall on Netflix um, where her like story, her life story is uh, kind of dramatized. And she's got a couple of, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they're actually, I believe at one point they're records. I, I believe they're not anymore, but at the time she broke, she uh, set a, a woman's record in 1974 um, of eight hours, 11 minutes in, tw- in the 22 mile Gulf of Naples race, um, swimming race. Um, over two days in 1979, Nyan swam from uh, Benini or Bimini to Florida, setting a distance record for nonstop swimming without a wetsuit. Um, that was 28 miles. No, I'm Jeez. sorry, not not 28 miles. That was <laughs> much more than that. It was from North Bimini Island in the Bahamas to uh, Juneau Beach, Florida, without the use of protective shark cage. Um, it was the last, it was, it was what was going to be her last competitive swim. She set the world record for distance swimming, both men and women, by the way, at the time, um, over open water swam 102 miles. And so she's, she's an animal. (laughs) Sarah Thomas beat her at 104. That's the newest. That is that the current record. Longest open water swim. 104 miles. She got it by two uh, miles. That's that's crazy that her record, you know, a lot of these records, they get broken kind of annually because, like, they're so record well recorded now. And you get people, people have, like, uh, you know, the technology for training for these things is obviously improved. Right. Too. You get, like, extreme athletes who. You get have, one of those, you get one of those home things. What? Oh, one like one of the uh, pools. infinity pools. Yeah. And you're like, if I can just do this for 48 hours, we're good. Yeah. I just got to train myself to just go straight on through and just keep going. Yeah, uh, 67 hours. She swam continuous, uh, unassisted rules, open water swim. Did a, did a continuous, uh, unassisted rules, open water swim. God damn. Well, Nyad actually, she attempted, so she would have broken that record. Actually, no, it would have been, um, what would have, what it would have been? for preparations it should give me the uh the actual distance i don't think it's it probably would have been the record she was going to she attempted to swim from cuba to key west which i believe it's not insane that is just as a sentence right Um, i'm trying to find the distance yeah that would have been the world record it would have been over 100 just over 110 miles um she tried it five times she didn't she never achieved it never never could do it 110 miles um even with a even with uh i mean she would obviously have to do it with no shark cage uh that's the only way to do it i think 
mostly. But uh, and she was trying this in, in, in 2013, which, by the way, she's 74 years old now. So she would have been in her uh, 60s um, on that fifth attempt. She was in her 60s and she tried it um, on her fifth attempt. She tried it in 2012, 2011, um, 2010. Uh, I think her first ever attempt was in 1978, and that that was and she she never achieved it, unfortunately. And I, I'm sure someone will one day, though, for sure. The one the 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 one was a uh, Garner Island, Vermont, from uh, Rose's Point. That's Sarah Thomas uh, to New York. Gee, okay. What was the distance on that? Was 103? 104.6. So sorry, she. Uh, sorry, it was from from Rose's Point, New York, to uh, Gardner Island, Vermont. Lake Champlain. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, well, the closing out was and probably a um a stranger, uh, a little bit more strange, I suppose. Achievement uh, was Benoit Lecomte, uh, out of France. Uh, he's a French-born long-distance swimmer. Um, he from uh March sixteenth to September twenty-fifth in nineteen ninety-eight. Lecomte, Lecomte, uh, Lecomte, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce I'm not French. I'm sorry. Sounds good to me. That's, I'm getting as close as I can. Um, undertook a swim in stages of Hyannis, Massachusetts to uh, Quiberon, Brittany, France, including a one-week stop in Azores, a Portuguese archipelago. Uh, during his 73-day, 3,716-mile journey, Lecomte was accompanied by a 40-foot sailboat that had an electromagnetic field for, for uh, uh, 25 feet to ward off sharks. He was accompanied by a crew of three aboard the sail sailboat where he could rest and eat between each swimming period. Um, Lacombe typically spend eight hours uh, swimming each day in sessions of two to four hours. The stated purpose of the swim is to raise money for cancer research as a, tri- as a tribute to his father. So he swam the Atlantic like straight up just from Massachusetts to France. Um, but he did it in chunks. Obviously he did it for eight hours a day over the course of 73 days. Um, no small feat and not to be, not to be uh, scoffed at for sure. Right. I'm right there with you. He tried the Pacific too. I should say that he tried to do the Pacific, um, but it looks like it was uh, unsuccessful. A lot of, uh, he, he mentioned part of the reason for the swim was to raise awareness about sustainability and the impact of excessive human garbage polluting the world's oceans. So uh, a noble cause, noble, uh, noble effort, but what a, unbelievable unbelievable achievement um fuck that man i can't i can't i just the ocean is just too intense like that's just no right granted you have the people right there but even still no just being i would freak out within the first like probably hour like just being in the ocean like that like i'm all good i'm all set on that brave souls man brave souls um you got any more arrow that you'd like to hit before we close things out yeah, we're just about uh, we're just about done gearing up. Quick one that I'll like literally just veer on by. Uh, what's her name? Fergal Eyesore Fleming left eyes open forty one minutes without blinking. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, what was she looking at? Mona Lisa. It was a contest. Ooh. she was going up against Stephen Stairmaster Stag. <laughs> That's Stag, Stag had the record for 17 minutes and they just had to stare it out <laughs> <He's the motherfucker. laughs> almost an hour um 
Stag said, uh, the Stairmaster, felt, that is great. Right. He said, uh, I felt like his eyes were getting tattooed towards oh the God. end. It's melting into he said, the 35. He go, he, he's, he confessed to feeling like his eyeballs were getting tattooed at 35 minutes in, uh, uh, and then, uh, that's a seven minutes before. Bro, how, how long do you think you could last in a staring contest with me? Look, if I had to? Yeah. It's hard because sometimes you like you literally you can't lose your willpower. Yeah, but and then think... it just burns too because you want to hold your eyes open, then it just drives them out. You well, it's a ri- you take a risk because I feel like my 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 muscle would be to try to make you laugh, but it's a risk because like I'm I'm gonna have to do something or say something that might invoke a blank for me, right? Like but it's a risk. And I, I feel like I'd, I feel like I'd have to think long and hard. It might take me, we might last to like the third or fourth, fourth minute where I'd just be Could like, you get like away with wincing? No. Well, the, I, the eyelids have to connect. They have to touch, right? In order for it to true, be a true blink. That's, that's my perspective. I believe. I mean, from, from my perspective, it's not, you're still staring so long as those eyelids don't touch. They can't touch. Right. But yeah, I thought that one was pretty neat. Probably. You'd probably beat me. I think you could beat me. Yeah, I think I think I could too. I think you could. Um, you know why? It's because I got eye issues and shit. Like I got allergies. Like I already got kind of like one of my one of my eyelids is like kind of lazy. Goes goes limp every now and every now and again. Just sort of flaps down on me. I would just start crying and like shake my head really fast. I would just look at you. I would just scowl. I'm just scowl at you. Just make sure. Just, just, just. I'm gonna use passive, passive aggression just the whole way through. I'd bite, I'd bite my lip until I teared up and just start like shaking my head really fast, so like kind of spread it evenly amongst my eyes. Do you think if that would? Oh, because yeah, that's what happens is it like dries out, right? Like your eyes start drying out. Maybe I don't know. I think you do need to give it the one wash over because even if you do have it all really wet, you're gonna have like dust in the stuff. You know who beat me in a staring contest was my was my my oldest daughter. She got me like Dang. I don't know how, it, it was kind of cheap. She she I beat her like five times in a row, and then like the sixth time she was like she, I didn't think she was even taking it seriously, and then I kind of just I just I got a little lax days cool. But she took the victory, and you know I I can't blame her. I've been the same. We can have a staring contest when I show up. Oh yeah, you gonna go at it with her? Just the whole time, we'll just talk. And just, <laughs> <he> lost. <laughs> the regular podcast as it goes was staring contest going down. Yeah. Um, another, but another cool thing I just wanted to uh, brush on too. Uh, longest, uh, long or world's longest uh, flight. Ooh, uh, continuous man. flight. Sixty-four days. How do they fuel up? What do they have? Like a they have like a like a. a like a proxy jet or something like that. They have like it was in 1959. They did it with a truck. What do you mean they did it with a truck? A truck and like a prop. Like they had a truck driving, and then it would fly down, and it had like a nozzle on it, and then they'd have to fly the same speed, and then connect and refuel and keep going. Yeah, that's sick. And then they just spent 64 days in there. They should make a movie on that. I want to. I would. I think they should. I think all of oh a lot of these stories would make good movies. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, the problem is though is nobody ever tries anything different. They just kind of like you know what I mean. It's kind of the same movie, just different achievements with different actors. You know. 
Right. Oh, they're gonna face they're gonna face some uh some adversity here, and then like the spouse is like, Don't do it. You this is taking over our lives. Like <laughs> it's right. the same, it's like kind of the same story every time. But you know, I, I I'd like to see like a good filmmaker take something like this on. I guess the Nyad movie is pretty good. Um, I know you know what would be that. the best movie. I think we didn't talk about it, but I'll touch on it right now because it's technically like a, a test of endurance. But the uh, 1904 Olympics, uh, it was just a, it was a shit show, dude. what happened tell me tell me more so 14 men crossed the finish line one after hitchhiking one after napping uh the winner won because he drank rat poison like pretty much oh my god yeah so it was just like a cob job like there's people like in belts and like not like suits but just like dressed up like this guy has a like a bowler cap on (laughs) <laughs> he's just jogging <laughs> <in the river. laughs> he's like mo howard out there yeah some people are like just barefoot and they're just like yeah this guy's like a business suit uh, <laughs> oh my god the greeks are just fucking rolling in their grave a lot of people like... they're like um when i do a run i always like to do it on an empty stomach so like no water or food for me so <laughs> Yeah, this dude's, like, uh, refusing to drink water, and he's, like, cramping up, and then his, like, trainers were just bathing him with a sponge. Like, hopefully you, you like, absorb it into your <laughs> skin. Like, please, like, do something. Like, put it on his forehead and like, drip it through his mouth. He's uh, like, I any told deaths? you not on an empty stomach. Did you get any um, I, don't, I don't think any deaths. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a little less dramatic. None reported. None reported. Right. At least not immediately. But, um... So the guy who won, uh, <laughs> yeah, when he wasn't gonna drink or anything like that, or uh, you know, eat before, but he gave him a performance enhancing enhancing drug, uh, and as the first instance of it, and it was a combination of egg whites, a milligram, and a milligram of a, what is that? Stry, yeah, stry chai. Strike a nine? Strike, dude! It's strike nine sulfate. Oh my god! What is? What exactly is that? What does that do? It's like what I said, rat poison. Yeah, it's rat poison. Literal rat poison. Yeah, (laughs) it's a compounded rat poison. Oh my god! But at low doses, it's a stimulant. If you if you Google search uh, strike nine, like it just immediately goes to poison control eight hundred (laughs) number. We'll mix up some of these with egg whites and we'll have you up in a jiff. Better give him a double. He's like, dude, it's getting kind of hard. Better to give him a double dose. <laughs> He's like, dude, I haven't drank water in like two days, man. Oh my god. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it like spelled out. I've just heard that it's bad Stick news. Nine. I can't believe it. They're just like, yeah, no, I'm telling you. You just, just Google drink. search as the first thing that it takes you right to the CDC and fucking poison. Just, if you center. Google it, you're like, is this bad? They're like, dude, here's the number. You probably messed up if you Google it. This, if you need if you're to Googling know. this, like the first thing that in the, in the top of the Google searches, help is available. <laughs> like, 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 like we just we just presume that you've done something terribly stupid. I was just trying to run a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit.
All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. This is uh this has been the the introduction. Oh, I got I got, oh, you got one, one more. more. Right, and it is it. the yeah, oh, the whole, the, whole the reason Mac we Daddy. started. We forgot about the Mac Daddy. Okay, this is the Mac Ooh, Daddy endurance achievements. Errol, give us the lowdown and make it count. Swing big, my friend. Early uh um early nineteen hundreds uh strength and endurance were uh, becoming like the more popular trend, almost like the uh, fitness videos that you see today, or like uh you know, you think of a. Uh, What's his name? All those, uh, all those dancers and fitness people. The, uh, the Paul guy or whatever. Like, oh, and work it, feel it. Richard Simmons. Yeah, like the Richard Simmons and stuff like that. So back in the day, like there was a big fitness craze because there was no TVs or anything. So they're like, might as well be fit about it and work on like your. Um, everyone was just trying trying to come up with the next best like workout routine. A lot of people settled on um, Indian club swinging. And if you have no idea what it is, I'll let you know right now as easy as I can. It's uh, imagine just having two bowling pins, like two clubs, and then just like swinging them around, like just uh, almost like baton like, like twirling the, like not like twirling them in your hands or anything, but just like swinging them around with your arms, like working on shoulder rotations. And there's different, like various rotations. And that was the allure to it. Yeah, you could just swing around and do stuff. But when you got really nice, you could start like really flipping them around and doing like fancy stuff and press all the ladies because they were doing it too. So, yeah, have you ever seen someone do it with the 20s? And then you, you know, and then with anything else, that became a competition. They're like, oh, I bet I can swing clubs longer than you. <laughs> so it initially started off as a fitness thing. Like, definitely a fitness thing, if you ask me. Like, a, look, I'm stronger than you. I can swing these for longer. Um, we're looking on average from anything from, like, two-pound clubs all the way up to, like, 20s. And then they're, they even made, like, 150s and stuff like that. But that was just more for, like, show. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one was realistically doing it. They'd just be like, I can swing this one time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, first person I'll talk about, the Queen of, Cl- Queen of Clubs. Uh Victoria Seddon in uh, 1907, she she swung Indian clubs for 45 hours straight. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's about to get a lot worse. Yeah, it's going to get a lot worse. But that's this lady's like, I'm the best club club swinger, at least like the best like a female club swinger. And I doubt anyone could beat me. She was also an accomplished uh, sword swinger. So instead of like, you know, with the clubs and stuff, she could get a little razzle dazzle and like flourish it which was a little more like showmanship esque but it's exactly like club swinging except it's lighter but if you mess up then you e so but yeah so during these events because it wasn't just like the men but the women and the children sorry for the Anakin Skywalker but um <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah during these events ever since they would last so long like she did it for just about two days uh and this is uninterrupted too. That's the main thing in these events. Uninterrupted the whole time. Um, they were uh they would receive food, drinks, some people were shaved. Uh like people were being ham hand fed biscuits and cocoa. Um <laughs> the brandy as well. There's this one guy, he like almost the same thing, like he knew he had to eat to a degree, so he wasn't like uh the marathon runners who were just going off of nothing. But uh he they just rubbed the brandy on him, and then the audience or the guy writing about it, he's like, they rubbed brandy on him, and it seemed to like good effect. Like he was a little rough before, and then they just splashed it on his body. And as he was working, I was like, I saw it. Like it seemed like it got better. 
Yeah, I try. Is what um, happened. But yeah, these things uh, ended up going for like days. Like they did it for days. They would um, tell people to like come and watch the opening, go home, come back. Of course, some people would watch just to make sure it's like still going down. But like it was like considered like a borderline like a week event. Like you know, come into town, watch this. They'll be doing it still, uh, kind of thing. So it is a good way to like you know get uh, get people in and like you know kind of prove that you are the queen or king of clubs, which is a cool title. Um, yeah, it's a bad title. Bro- it really is. Yeah. Uh, started off Tom Burroughs, uh, seventy-five hours. Like I, I would never be able to stay up seventy-five hours, yeah. let alone let stand alone up, s- let alone club. swing clubs, like do yeah. something. Right. Um, he uh he tried to uh, beat that, and then uh he fell asleep on stage while or at around like ninety-seven and fell asleep, or he collapsed in his uh wife's arms. The audience erupted into cheers. What a pussy. <laughs> um right but i think it's a sweet moment um once they get around 100 hours this is where tom burroughs st- starts losing that sweet allure that he had <laughs> so just to beat it again right and you remember how your uh um how your prefrontal cortex starts start uh, fading away down. and then you start making worse decisions and uh, yeah. it's also like where a lot of your like fight or flight and stuff like comes from like your rational <laughs> yeah. thinking is right it's all going away yeah, so that's see that starts going away at around hour one oh seven, at least it does for Tom. Um his trainers went to place a wet sponge on the back of his neck and oh then my just God. Del- Yeah, because they're like, Oh, you're sweating, buddy. Like, you know, we're almost you're pretty much getting there. Let's go. Um, put the wet wet cloth on his neck, the clo- the cold cloth, and uh he just snapped on him. He turned, he was just too delusional from it. And he just, I don't know, I guess thought someone was attacking him. So felt the cloth, turned on the trainers, started swinging on him with the clubs. He tacked him with the clubs and then like, just started uh, going after like pretty much everyone in the immediate area, like oh the trainers. Um, he ended up like, they got the clubs away from him for somehow. Cause he's just in like a man rampage. He probably wasn't like, cause you know, if someone's like trying to actively like kill you, they're like, give me the weapon. I want to do that. And if they get it removed, like yeah. I'm going to kill you. Like he was just a literal madman. So they like remove the clubs from him. He just starts attacking him with his fist until he just collapsed. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He probably thought he, that he was like about to be like, he probably dilute. He probably deluded to thinking that he was about to be like, Oh shit! They're about to put me in the electric chair. You don't know right. You don't know what you're thinking. It yeah. probably felt like a shot. Green too, mile you style. Don't, like just shot him up, and he's like, "What's going on?" All I know is I have these clubs, and I am scared for my life, and I don't know any of these people. I don't think. I don't think you ever recover from that. Like that. Like when that part when that happens to your brain, I think that's permanent. so. That's permanent brain damage, right? So yeah. he. I I do believe that that's the case. He woke up the next day with no memory of the assault. He was never the same. He never even knew that he was uh, swinging that day. He he, for, he had no like recollection recollection of swinging. This was it in the, what was the year in this? This was when? This was around nineteen thirteen. Nineteen in Aldershot, England. God damn, people were fucking crazy back then. <laughs> people right. were fucking crazy. So <laughs> while while that was pretty uh, taxing, it seemed. Um, mm-hmm. He he seemed to have recovered about as good as he can from that. He said, uh, "I wish now that I had stopped at a hundred hours. I maintain." that her I, I maintain that is just about the limit you cannot remain up for five nights i feel quite sure of that yeah um, i'd say i feel i'd feel i'd be pretty confident in that assessment <laughs> yeah uh henry lawson tried to beat it okay um 
he reportedly established a new record at 134 hours in Australia. And then uh, Australians, man, the Australians, they've got a couple. You were talking about that one, the one, uh, I guess it's not Australia, the New Zealander, um, uh, the woman that the the lady. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember her name now. That's right. I can't either. I deleted the link. It's like Alan or something. If you're, I believe if was it was, name. We don't do show notes, but if, if yeah. somebody give us some feedback on who that was, and we'll. Uh... Yeah, a lot of tough people out and down under, but I mean, like you oh, know, you got sure. drop hairs and like spiders the size of dogs, so venomous. But um, but yeah, so Henry Lawson uh attended like his adversary's uh marathon, and like Lawson, he he was like, yo, this dude's. This dude's a bitch. He had people ringing bells <laughs> in his ears to keep him awake. He was allowed to take seats at intervals. He's like, what the fuck is this going on? He's like, this is how y'all swing bells over here? Or this is how y'all swing? Like, he you leveled know? up. He had to level up on him. So, and then um, he also partook in knob swinging, which is just like another like faux pas. They're like, if you're going to swing them, swing them. So like, you just kind of hold on to the end. Right. But, uh, he tried his best until, but the Bella never really got the, uh, got the stuff. He hit it. Ooh. So did anyone, did anyone ever actually break that original record, the 134 record? Or is that? Uh, right? No, they do. At 125, um, uh, Thomas Bax was at 125 and, uh, the the guy who like had the one record but was like swinging the knobs, like knob swinging and just having the bell ring. He's like, I'm the best. I did it that one time, even though he's like garbage. Thomas Bax was at 125, and as he was going, it hit his knee and oh. it bounced away. And so the whole it's news is like, oh, he's like, uh, Thomas Bax didn't beat me. Like he's garbage. Like so, like his attempt doesn't count. Uh. One and a half weeks later, he he beat it. Can uh, you imagine if you're on like the 99th hour or you're at like an hour, even the hour like 71, and some officiant's just like, nope, disqualified. Mm-hmm. He brushed his brushed his pant leg. Yep. <laughs> cheater, <laughs> cheater. But that's the thing, like he Thomas Bax, like he is a he was a gentleman. He's like, he knew that. He's like, all right, I'm just gotta stop. I'll try again in a week. Swang clubs from uh Christmas Eve to January second. That's the one. That's the one. That, that is absurd. Absolutely did that, absurd. Did that at the age of fifty nine. Um, nah, he was built for it. it so yeah, at, he was. It, he could have done that seventy nine. That's exact. So I, I think that's exactly it. He was at um, he he beat the record at one hundred forty four hours at nine twenty seven tonight, and then uh, the. The New Zealand papers reported he's still going strong and seems fresher now than four four days ago. Oh my god! How do you like what? <laughs> How do you say that? He's in, he appears to be enjoying the fun. Bax, who is fifty nine years of age and a Londoner, uh, says he will continue till midnight or after. Um, he finally stopped after a uh, after one hundred forty six hours and thirty three minutes, six days straight, uh, and then it, it hasn't ever been equaled. Uh, and he was so lucid at the end, like not beating people's ass. Where he he finished uh, the last two hours with fancy club swinging, which is put a little stank oh, on it. Started, like, oh, you think I'm? You probably. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting tired. Just kidding. 
Just a little bit. He's only got to put a little mustard on this one. So right. A couple gonna double swings. going to show you something, a little something you've never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, right. Bella tried think... to do it again. He fell asleep. Um, there was another guy who started doing it and back to the uh, hallucination stuff at one mo or at one time. <laughs> he was hallucinating that the audience was like swing it with him as well, like in synchrony or in, oh in yeah. like, yeah, like they were all in sync, just woof. and he's like, I'm just he he knew it was a hallucination, but he's like, I'm going to equate this to one of the good ones. Oh, my God. Man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, no, that's about it. That all right, that's incredible. Listen, that is like From, that's. I think the club swing, the the one. Um, I mean, that was that. Well, I'll mention it now. That's actually the one. That's the record, um, or the uh, the in, the full inspiration for this for the uh, this this series or introducing the series because you had brought that to me and like we really wanted to talk about that. Um, or I wanted a, a platform for you to kind of iron out the details on that and kind of explore it a little bit. And like, this was a perfect podcast to do that. And I'm glad we capstoned it that way. It's perfect. Perfect oh, yeah. ending to it. And, but that's the thing. Um, these feats of strength and endurance have like, have inspired people for like throughout time. You look all the way back in the day. Uh, there's a Greece wrestler, uh, Milo of Croton, who is said to have ran a mile with an ox on his shoulders because he carried it every day ever since it was like a calf. That's yeah, but he just built it up. He built it up. He built that that right. muscle foundation. So even even if that's a story, it's just still you know something to like you know yeah something Fol- to like strive some of for. It, some of it, listen, this, it's just like uh, you know we're we're all shaped by folklore to some degree. You know, a lot of like you know a lot of religions are built upon like you know. Uh, you have moral values and ethical values ethics as we know it are built upon like some some of the some of the doctrines from religious stories that may not be literally true or some of them may be you know it might be a moral truth or a literal truth however you view it but from my perspective it's like these these stories of endurance are incredible because they actually do they start to dissolve the veil of 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 boundaries of like false boundaries in the of the human mind limitations yeah, limitations said, that, they almost they almost uh, bridge the gap between like reality and fiction like some of these things that people do seem like like uh herculean feats truly. like something that you would like legitimately write about like um, okay so i think it's two things i would like to like let me just encapsulate i think like kind of the message that i would like to leave from my perspective about um, this research and just a good message for the podcast it's, it's I think that the lesson to be learned from endurance athletes, incredible endurance achievements, or just in, achievements in general of athletic proportions, um, such as so the ones that we discussed today, it's two things. It's number one. Um, I think the bound, the, the, the limits of the limits of the human condition in the human mind and where you can, where you can push yourself and where the physical body can, can be pushed and where the, you know, achieve what the, the, the depth of cheap of achievement is so much deeper than can be conceived. And also on a more pessimistic note, the limitations that one puts in the, on themselves in their own mind are equally as astounding because I think that human beings, while, it's not, I would never suggest that um, people can achieve the, 
anyone can achieve the things that we discussed today. Obviously it takes special people with special perspectives and special life stories to kind of reach these heights. I also think people should consider about, should spend time considering what limitations they're unnecessarily um, hoisting in their own minds. Like, yeah, like, all right. Like, yeah, you might not be able to run for two days, but if, can you run if, for 20 minutes? If you know Anne, I mean? if Anne can run for two days for, with like until she lost her toenails after she got right. trampled by a horse, then maybe maybe you could run for like like you said twenty minutes. Maybe you can you run can for twenty for minutes hour. and then can, you can yeah. do it for an hour, right? She incrementally, incrementally do it, hours. right? And this is what so it's 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 just as incredible to to understand how how much you can prevent yourself from accomplishing even small achievements. It's, it's just as astounding to see what like when people just lift all limitations and just go all the way to the wall. It, it really does. It, sh- it What is it? The rising tide lifts all ships. It, that's what these achievements should do is it should it should inspire everyone well, and for, I, to, I do try believe, to achieve more. I do believe it does. I think all the like from from the story of Milos of Croton all the way to like, um, you know, all those achievements and to the stuff that's like proven now. It's way, a, yeah. It's there oh, to, yeah. even if it's something that, even if it's, even if you're not an endurance runner, you see that and like you can apply that to somewhere else. Like it's almost, it's pretty easy to be like, man, if that guy can like do that, he's doing everything he can, then right. it's might be a little easier for us. But that's the, I think these, uh, the, those stories, a lot of the time, I don't think these people go out to do this to inspire, but that's all it ever ends up doing. Um Yeah. That's why you have you have stuff now like uh just like pinnacles of strength uh, to the to the point of fairy tale and like uh like the Ardblair stones, yeah. Like people just want to go um they want to just go lift those bad boys. Fucking a man. Well, listen, I think that we've covered this uh, to the nth degree. Um, I want to close it out. We've gone for about two, you know about a little over two hours straight. Uh, no break tonight too. Nice job, us. We did well. That's our endurance right there. That's least <laughs> no, we, we could we do. Did not break the pot. Least we could do. Hey, listen. Like I said, if they can limitations. If Thomas Bax can juggle juggle <laughs> Indian clubs for 144 hours, we pretty can sure talk we can for two pretty sure while we can sitting chat down. For two hours sitting down in a warm house. Yeah, it was um, tough. Yeah. Well, stop. Hey, listen. No, I just I didn't even. Yeah. I didn't even notice either. No. Yeah, it's still an achievement, but. Uh, Okay, so that's the podcast. That's 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 our first um, introduction to the history series, um, achievements in human endurance and strength. What a uh, what a way to kick things off. We'll be diving into more history um, down the road. You know, we'll be talking a lot of this kind of stuff. Uh, might not be in this vein, but history the history series is going to be will well expand into more historical stuff in a traditional sense, and we'll probably be doing some esoteric historical contextual things such as this. Um, as well along the way um but for now uh errol what do we got next the next episode of the peripheral views podcast we're we're heading back to music bud we're going back and we're going back into hip-hop what are we talking we're talking uh, we're talking wu-tang clan it's coming up on the uh, 30th Woo! anniversary that's right 30th anniversary, 30th anniversary of uh, the enter the wu-tang chambers. 36 chambers the uh, all-time classic hip-hop album from the debut album um, from the Wu-Tang Clan out of New York, Staten Island. Um, we're going to talk that. We're going to talk about that record. We're going to break it down track for track, just like we do from um, similar to the previous episodes. 
Uh, really excited to talk about that. It's a really iconic album. It's super important in the world of music and hip hop um, at large. And hip hop has just like celebrated its 50 anniversary, 50 year anniversary or 40 year anniversary, something like that, um, just this past year. So really excited to uh, speak about, you know, really do a deep dive into like one of the most important music albums of all time for sure. Um, but and and also definitely within the last you know forty or fifty years, especially in the world of hip hop, as important as it gets, big time album. Um, we're gonna break that thing down, um, and then we'll start getting into some of the Christmas stuff. We got a couple of uh, holiday themed ideas coming up, coming down the pike as get well. Get into the Christmas cheer. Yeah, we've got a little bit of that coming down the pike after the uh, Wu Tang episode. But in the meantime, this has been the Peripheral Views podcast. We are on X at Peripheral V One Two Three. Uh, reach out to us um, on our uh, on the website peripheralviewspodcast.com. You can uh, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, we're on soundcloud.com forward slash peripheralviews123. YouTube.com, you find us on your, throw us in your search bar and you can subscribe there as well. All of our content is uploaded to YouTube as well. Um, and uh, feel free for more direct inquiries peripheralviewspodcast at gmail.com. For that, I'm Jake. That was Errol. This was the Peripheral Views Podcast. Uh, yeah. History number one. Um, Just wanted to, uh, yeah, wanted to say real quick that it is our, uh, it's our job as, uh, as humans to, you know, push ourselves, push ourselves every single time that we can. I think it's almost like it might be a cliche meaning to life is just try as hard as you can, no matter, no matter what. And, um, I hope these stories have been inspiring and showing you that, you know, if you put a little effort, you might be able to do a little bit more than you thought you could achieve. Yep. It's like I said, like, like we were mentioning before, it's like the, uh, the limitations of the human mind that we set upon ourselves are, uh, it's like your limitations are very much that your limitations, like you, you are making them. Yep. That's exactly right. And, and you have the control to lift them as well. So with that inspiring message, uh, this has been the peripheral views podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. We hope you join us again uh, in the next few episodes. Uh, check out Napoleon Dynamite episode that came out last week. Um, we've got a few more coming down the pike before the end of the year, so just keep your eyes on the socials. And um, thanks again for listening. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe if you could. It helps us immensely in uh, the development of the podcast, and we'll keep churning them out. So great to talk to you guys. Thank you again, and uh, we'll see you on the next round.